Hey guys, sorry, Delamont here. This is a recent Facebook Live that we've uploaded as a podcast. Enjoy. When you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this month's Facebook Live. If you can hear me, go ahead and say hi in the comments so that I know that you are there. I want to make sure that I can see the comments. Uh, hopefully I can. But uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am here. This is my last Facebook Live for a couple months since I will be in taking medical leave as of Friday. My surgery is Friday. I, I tell you, I have gained 10 pounds in the last two weeks and I'm eating nothing. Uh, so hopefully when the boobs come off on Friday, I will lose 10 pounds and we'll be back where we started. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Helen. Glad that you are with us. Again, if you're just joining us, say hi in the comments so that I know that you're here. And today we are going to be talking about how to deal with your fear. Again, this is my last Facebook Live for a couple of months because I'm taking medical leave on Friday and I will be back after Labor Day. If you want more H2H goodness, we are not opening the crew until October, but we're going to do a mini opening in June, just three days, no fanfare. You can just get in and enjoy. Now, you'll be like, why would I join the crew if you're not there? Well, I'm flattered. But the reason you want to join the crew is because the crew is awesome, just all on their own. The people in there are amazing, several of the crew members here this morning. And um, also, we have guests. So we'll have Randy McGinn, we'll have Keith Mitnick, we'll have Courtney Rowley, we'll have, oh, I'm missing a bunch of people. But we have a lot of guests coming in. Not to mention we're starting Course Club this summer, which is where the From Hostage to Hero course lives in the crew. And our mentors will be taking the crew through the course and giving them opportunities to practice. So don't let my medical leave. Hi, Jason. Um, stop you from joining the crew when we open just for a couple days in, in June. All right. Well, let's get started. For those of you coming into the room, I don't want to take up any more time and talk about what we're here to talk about today. I've got notes. Hey, Julie. Um, and I'm going to use them because I've got some good shit for you today. So we're talking about how to deal with your fear, train your brain for success. Let's first start by acknowledging that all of us have to deal with fear. But trial attorneys more than usual. Why? You know, when I talk to regular lay people, our jurors, for example, <laughs> uh, they're shocked to learn that you go to trial and if you don't get a verdict, then that's it. You've put up all your money, you've risked all of this stuff only to come out of it with nothing. Most jurors don't know that. Of course, we know that, and that creates and produces a lot of fear. Now, when we talk about what it is you're afraid of, we can easily pick something like losing at trial. But I want to point out that that's the easy answer. That is not actually what you're afraid of. What you're afraid of is the self-doubt 
that's creating this fear. So it's the, am I using the right method? Should I have my co-counsel have done Wadir instead of me or vice versa? I should have done Wadir instead of my co-counsel or maybe I put the witnesses in the wrong order or I'm not prepared enough or I don't have enough experience or I'm just not enough, period. So it's the self-doubt that is causing the fear, not the actual thing we are afraid of. It's the thoughts about, around the thing. So today we're going to talk about how to train your brain to work for you, how to manage your fear, and ways to face and conquer your fear. And it's going to be good. So stay with us. If for some reason you need to jump off, this is going to be housed in the From Hostage to Hero Facebook group. If you just joined the From Hostage to Hero Facebook group, you can go back through and look through all of the videos that I have done here, all of our guest uh, webinars from Rick Friedman to Keith Mitnick to Dorothy Clay Sims to Randy McGinn. They're all in here. So if we've done it, it's in here. You can go back and watch it at any time. Just FYI. All right. So that's our agenda for today. So let's talk. Let's start by talking about What's at stake if you cannot manage your fear? And again, if you're just joining us, let me know you're here by saying hi. And if you're a crew member, tag yourself with crew member, hashtag crew member. All right. So first of all, if you cannot manage your fear, if you are living into your fear, you activate your fight or flight response. Now, your fight or flight response is when your pair or your sympathetic nervous system gets activated and it turns on the fight or flight response. And what happens when that happens is that you now are in this place where you want to fight or flee. Now, this is not a good place for you to be in, particularly in trial, because when you're in fight or flight, you are communicating to your jury that you are scared and that you are in survival mode and that the only person that you are caring about in that moment is yourself. Now, when we talk about courtroom leadership, that is definitely not what we want to communicate to our jury, <laughs> that the only person we're looking out for is ourselves. And yet, when we are in a fight or flight, we risk communicating that to our jury, mainly through our breathing, because when you activate your parasympathetic or your sympathetic nervous system, your breathing gets very high and very shallow. That communicates that you're nervous or, or that you're fight and flight. And, and, and not only does that get communicated to the jury, that is also contagious, meaning the jury is going to pick up on your fight or flight. They're already in fight or flight. If you buy anything that I've been saying over since the book came out and even before, is that jurors are hostages and they do not feel safe, particularly at the beginning of the process. So they're already in fight or flight. So your fight or flight is now joining with theirs and now everybody's in fight or flight and we're having a problem. So this is one reason why, or one thing that's at stake when you cannot manage your fear. The other thing that's at stake, and there's several things, but I wanna kind of highlight these two, is that you will play small. When you have been overtaken by your fear, you will play small, you will not take risks. You will not do what this work requires. And this work requires that you taste, take risks and that you play big. And here's the problem is that when you don't take the risk and you play small and you play it safe, then you are less likely to get a verdict, which then will activate your fear, which will then start us in the cycle all over again, right? Because you're thinking, oh, I just keep losing and what's my problem? And see, do you see how it all starts with having your fear control your life. 
This is something that we must manage. This is all of that's at stake. So what if I told you, this is going to blow your brain, so stick with me, even if you're like, this is not true, but it is true. What if I told you that your fear wasn't about losing, it's not even about whether you're prepared enough or that you have enough experience, but that your fear was about your thoughts about those things. Let me say that again. Your fear isn't actually losing. Your fear is your thought about losing or whatever else that it is you're, that you're scared of. It always comes down to your thoughts. So let me go to the, um, the whiteboard, and I'm going to take my notes with me, and let's talk about this. So this is the model that's called the CTFAR model. And so this is from Brooke Castillo. It's not mine. I'm stealing it. And it is what we call the self-coaching model. It's a way for you to kind of diagram. Remember the diagrams we used to have to do uh, in English class, diagram a sentence? So this is a way to diagram a thought pattern. So here's, I want to walk you through it. So the circumstance is whatever it is that you are afraid of, right? So let's say that you are afraid. We'll just use the circumstance of losing trial. You can put anything in here. So let's say you lost a trial. It's already happened, okay? So that's the circumstance. The next thing in, this, in the self-coaching model is the thought that you have about that. So sometimes people will have the thought, I wasn't prepared enough, okay? I love that word enough. Man, that, that gets so many of us. I wasn't prepared enough. Now, when you have that thought, it produces a particular feeling. So it might be something like guilt, right? I should have been more prepared. Guilt almost always comes from should. Now, when you have that particular feeling, it's going to produce an action. So perhaps it might be uh, work longer hours to be make sure that next time you're not unprepared. Now those actions are going to lead to a particular result. And that result might be in this case that you are tired, overwhelmed, and that most likely will lead to a defense verdict. Because I'm telling you right now, having an alert, present Attorney is worth so much more than all the preparation you think you need. So what I want you to notice in this model is that it all comes down to the thought line. Everything after the thought line creates what happens next. Because here, let's, let's reverse it, or not reverse it, but let's do what we call an intentional model. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep the circumstance the same. The circumstance does not change, but our thought around the circumstance can change. So if instead of thinking, I wasn't prepared enough, or I suck, or whatever it is that your thought pattern is at that time, what if we thought, I want to do a better job at direct. Maybe that was one thing we identified. We could do better at. If we had that uh, thought, what kind of feeling would that produce? Well, I'm going to suggest it might produce a feeling of being motivated. Now, when we're motivated, 
what might we do differently? Well, we might spend more time with our expert. We might attend a CLE on cross-exam and direct exam. A variety of things of different actions we might take. And what result might we get? Well, we would have a better direct, which would put us in better position for a verdict. Not guaranteed, of course, but a better position. This is what I want to continue to bring you back to, is that your fear always begins here with the thought line. Notice how the circumstance has not changed, but when we change the thought, it changes the feeling, which has us do different actions, which gets us a different result. Look, we can, we can reverse the model. I'm gonna show you what I mean and give you a real example. So I was working the model with a client that came up to work on a case, and I said, what's the result that you want in this case? And so he said, I want an eight-figure verdict. I'm going for 10 million. How many of us would want an eight-figure verdict? Yeah, that would be nice, right? So you can do this, again, I'm showing you how to work the model in your own life. So you can put whatever result you want in there. You can say, I want to lose 10 pounds, like I started out with it. I want to lose a lot more than 10 pounds. But whatever result you want, you can start, put that in the result line. You don't have to start with the circumstance. In fact, there doesn't have to be a circumstance necessarily. Sometimes we use the circumstance line once something has happened. But let's start with the result line. All right, now I want you to go to the thought. What thought would you have to think to, in order to get an eight-figure result. And so I asked my client this, and he thought for a minute, and he said, this is the thought I want to think. The jury loves me. I thought, oh, that's a great thought. Yes, the jury loves you. Yes, they do. I said, how do you feel when you think the jury loves me? And he said, I feel confident. I said, yeah. So when you feel confident, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to swing out. I'm going to try some new things that I learned here with you, sorry. And so his trial was in a couple of weeks. And so every time I heard from him, he would sign his emails, the jury loves me. I'd pick up the phone and we'd talk about something. He'd say, sorry, the jury loves me. The jury loves me. The jury loves me. The jury loves me. Guess what he got? $10 million verdict. If you're here and you're a Las Vegas lawyer, you know who I'm talking about. Our thought changes everything because thoughts produce a feeling and feeling is what drives action. This is why we are so, uh, it's so important when we're working with juries to tap into their feelings because feelings drive actions. How you feel determines everything, but feelings start with a thought. So it's the thoughts in your head that are the problem, not the actual thing that you're afraid of. It's what you're thinking. Now, who's behind all of this bullshit? Let's talk about that for a minute. Who's behind these thoughts? Why are these thoughts coming up in the first place? Why don't we naturally believe things like the jury loves me or I'm the best trial attorney in the world or whatever thought it is that you want to be thinking? Why don't we naturally think those things? Well, it all comes down to one pesky little fucker called the saboteur. And we do so much work on the saboteur 
in the H2H crew, you got to get in there if you want to get a handle on your fear. We're just talking about this shit all the time. The saboteur is a collection of messages that you have, have collected throughout your life that are designed to keep you safe. So what it, what it does is it says, you know, you probably shouldn't go to trial because you're going to lose. Or, you know, you're never going to lose the weight, so might as well eat that extra donut. It tells you these things, not because it wants to ruin your life, right? But because it wants to make, keep you safe. And you are most safe, in the saboteur's mind, if you make no changes, you risk nothing, and you just do the same old thing over and over again. Again, it was designed to keep you safe. And when we were children, it did keep us safe in many ways. But now that we're grown adults, we don't need the protection of the saboteur. And here's the thing you have to remember about the saboteur, is that the saboteur is not you, period. It's your old law school professor. It's your mom or your dad or the voices that you have. You know, I remember when I first became a parent thinking, what comes out of my mouth becomes my kid's internal dialogue. That is so heavy, but so true, right? The things we say to our kids, they internalize and it becomes the inner voice. This is how a saboteur gets created. But saboteur is not you. And H2H crew will tell you, saboteur awareness is so huge when it comes to letting go of your fear and your negative thinking. Because when you start separating yourself and you recognize that's not me, that's a collection of voices that, that have tried to keep me safe all these years, then you can identify it when it happens and stop it in its tracks. Now, unfortunately, we can never fully get rid of the saboteur. It's something that will hang on forever, but it definitely can be managed. But this is the guy or gal that is behind our negative thoughts, okay? All right, so let's talk about what I call the be, do, have model, because I think that'll also be helpful for you as well. When we're thinking about, let's take this model, for example, the jury loves me, which creates confidence. We swing out, we take big risks, and we get our eight-figure verdict. What most of you tend to think is that this works backwards. So you tend to think, I've got to have an eight-figure verdict, right? Let me write that down there. In order to swing out, right? That's the do. And then I will be confident. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. The opposite is true and always true, which is you need to be confident in order to swing out. And that way you will have the eight-figure verdict. This is why so many of you are waiting. You're waiting till you, are, you feel prepared. You are waiting until you have enough experience. You are waiting for the confidence. You're waiting, waiting, waiting. You're going to wait forever, my friends. You got to swing out. You got to start by being who you want to be, right? Without the evidence, without the evidence, being who you want to be, doing the things that a good trial attorney does, and then you will have the things that you want. We think it's the opposite, but it's not. It's be, do, have. Always being comes first. This is why in the crew and here in the bigger group, that we are always talking about who are you? Who do you want to be? 
be your fucking biggest, baddest self. Why? I don't say that stuff to make you feel good. I hope it does make you feel good. But because I know for sure that you will never have this until you feel awesome and you accept your awesomeness and you, you embrace your amazingness. It all starts there. When you first get into the crew, one of the first things we say is that you are not broken. You are not here because you need fixing. You are here because you are amazing, and we're going to build off of that. It all starts with you believing that you're amazing in the first place. Because if you have the opposite, you think you have to earn amazing. In fact, I have a podcast episode uh, that's called I Think You Don't Have to Earn Amazing. Christy, would you drop that into the um, chat here? But if you think you have to earn amazing, you're going to continually wait and wait and wait and wait until you feel that. And you're going to be waiting forever. Because the way to feel amazing is to believe it now and then take those actions that keep proving to yourself that you are, in fact, amazing. I know it sounds backwards, but this is how this fucking works. I'm telling you, this is how I did it. I am a piano teacher from nowhere with two advanced degrees in music. Now one of the most well-known national trial consultants specializing in my field with a huge crew behind me that loves me, including you guys. Look, I had to swing out first in order to get here. If I was waiting, I'd still be waiting today. All right. So the brain hates cognitive dissonance. This is what I want you to understand about how to make this work in your life is that if you tell yourself the jury loves me, your brain is going to align with that because the brain does not like to be confused. But if you tell yourself the jury's out to get me, the jury is my enemy or whatever your negative thought is that's creating your fear, then you're going to align with that. So you're going to see everything the jury does as an attack on you. You're going to see everything your husband does as an attack on you or your wife does as an attack on you. Why? Because the brain hates cognitive dissonance. It wants to align with whatever you tell it. This is why this thought work is so powerful. You get to control this shit. You get to decide how you want your brain to work for you. You get to feed it what you want it to think. And then of course, that's going to tell you how you feel and uh, 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 get your actions and your results. But you get to control this shit. That's what's so awesome about this, because your brain will align with whatever you tell it. So what are you telling it? Are you allowing the saboteur to run the show? Because I see so many of you stuck in that cycle versus telling your brain the things that you want it to do. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's super easy, right, to change your thinking patterns. Why? Because we have neural pathways that have been ingrained into our brain over a, a, a many, many years. So, so much of this work is creating new neural pathways. See, here's the problem, is that once a neural pathway is created, it, you can't uncreate it. It's not like you can go in there and take it out with surgery, right? It's there. And because it's something that we continually allow ourselves to think, it gets smoother and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster, and faster until it just fires. This is why catching your thoughts before they happen is so important and redirecting the brain. But at first, it's going to feel like instead of that well-worn pathway, it's going to feel like knee-high grass that you're stepping down, right, and trying to get into this smooth pathway. That's why you have to repeat this 
over and over again. You have to do it even when you don't feel it. Tell yourself, the jury loves me. I'm a terrific attorney. I'm, I am prepared. I am ready. Even when you're not feeling it yet because you're creating that new neural pathway. That's what we're after. Now, speaking to that, <laughs> uh, there are people who are going to say, I can tell myself all day, sorry, that the jurors love me and I don't feel it. So the first step is yes, to manage your brain. Why? Because if our brain is not managed and we're letting all of these thoughts just do whatever they're doing all the fucking time, we can't do step number two. So step number two, step number one, I should say, is to manage your brain. And that's through thought work. But thought work is limited. Crispy, I have another um, podcast episode on that. If you could drop that one, one in. It's called The Limits of Thought Work. Something about thought work. Okay, so number one is manage your brain. Number two is to get into the body. Now, I know that most attorneys believe that their body is just a way to carry their brains around because you love your brains. And I love your brains and I love my brain. But the body is where wisdom lies. The body cannot lie. It will always tell you what is up. Now, whether you decide to listen to it or not, that's a whole other thing. When it comes to my cancer, for example, I didn't listen to my body for a long time until the cancer made me and forced me to listen to it. And you better believe I'm listening to it now, right? But the body cannot lie. So there's so much wisdom in the body, particularly when it comes to fear. Now, when we're looking at the model, okay? So if we go back to circumstance, thought, feeling, action, results, okay? What are we actually afraid of? Let's talk about that for a minute. Are we afraid of the circumstance? Well, we tell ourselves we are, right? We say, oh, well, I, you know, the losing a trial, that's what I'm scared of. Nope. What you're actually scared of is the F line. We are a scared to feel. We're not scared of losing trial. What we're scared of are the feelings we think we're going to have if we lose trial. What we're scared of is feeling. That's what we're afraid of. So it's not losing, it's feeling. This is why we overwork, right? This is why we overprepare. This is why we overdrink. This is why we overeat. Why? Because we do not want to feel. We do not want to go down that path because we think that those feelings are going to be unmanageable. That's what we're actually afraid of. Yes, we manage the brain, but we also have to get okay with our fear. We have to learn how to be with our fear. You know, here's the thing. When we don't allow ourselves to feel, it gets stuck. I'm going to recommend a very woo-woo book. It's called um, You Can Heal Your Life. And it's by uh, Louise Hayes, who's no longer with us. And she's got a great part in there that you can look up any physical ailment. Like you could be like lower back. My lower back is sore. And she will tell you what your thought pattern is. And that's why it's causing it. And let me tell you, before you like say that's a bunch of bullshit, she has never been wrong. 
in my personal experience, I will look up weird ass foot pain or something going on, cancer, and whatever she says is what's causing it. I'm like, oh my God, that's me to a T. I fully believe that when we overwork, overeat, whatever we're doing to avoid feeling, it gets stuck in the body. Not to mention, when we're consistently trying to not feel scared, we make it this big thing that, that shall not be discussed ever. And it cannot be, it's this bigger big thing than it actually is. Listen, it's just a feeling. When we allow ourselves to be with our fear, it lessens. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this because uh, I had a client once. This is just true of all emotions. And I adore this client. <laughs> and before we were even formally client and, and, and consultant and coach, he said, I have this loss that occurred and I cannot get over it. And I said, do you want to get on the phone for like 25 minutes? I think I have something that can help you. And he said, I would love that. So I got on the phone. I heard a little bit about the loss. I heard that the loss was, you know, eight months prior. So it'd been a long time. And he said, sorry, every day I think about this loss. I cannot get through this loss. I think about my client and how I let them down and, you know, the whole thing. And so, you know what I said to him? I didn't say, all right, well, here's all these thought work things that you can do, right? Or here's all, which would have been, would have been fine to go that direction. But what I said is, you know what? Let's feel it. Let's just be with it. So I said, let's just think about the loss. Where do you feel that in your body? And he was like, I feel it in my, st in fact, my legs feel weak. And I said, do you want to, do you want to get on the ground? And he said, yeah, let's get on the ground. I, we were just on the phone. So I couldn't see him. We both got on the ground. The tears started to come. I just held space for him for a full 20 minutes to this day. He will tell you, he never thinks about that loss anymore. He doesn't carry it around with him. Why? Because he allowed the feeling to pass through. It had gotten stuck. That's what happens when you don't allow yourself to feel the things that are natural to feel. They get stuck. Now, as humans, we cannot sustain intense emotion for any length of time, right? So here's the thing about fear. If you let it be without shoving it down, it will lessen. But the more you shove it down, the more it gets stuck and the more it starts creating and controlling your life. You've got to learn how to be with fear. Now, when I was putting this together, I thought about, you know, those athletes that get trained and they're elite athletes and, and people who will say, you know, you shouldn't even let the feeling in. You shouldn't even let the thought in. That shouldn't even be anything that you ever think about. Just block it all out you know, just focus on the win. And what I have to say to that is that's just not possible for most of us. Maybe eventually you can get there if you're the Michael Jordan type. But for the rest of us, we are going to have these feelings. And I'm going to suggest that instead of blocking them out, that you actually allow them to pass through. You know, it's very much like when I teach, I don't teach meditation, but when I talk about meditation and how important it is, and people will say to me, well, I can't stop thinking. I say, the point isn't to stop thinking. The point is to let the thought come in and not attach to it and let it flow right back out, in and out. That's the same thing with feelings. But we feel that if we allow ourselves to feel, we're going to be overwhelmed by the feeling and that we'll drown in it. And I'm here to suggest that that is not what is going to happen. It just isn't.
You have to believe me on that. All right. So when you feel fear, really feel it. I don't mean feed it. So I don't mean that you dive in after your feeling and you allow all the thought lines to come in and start telling you all the bullshit that's going to feel. I mean that you just go into the body when you start to feel fear and you just get curious and you notice it and you observe it and you just let it be. You just let yourself feel it. Thought line doesn't come in at here. You're just here. You're just noticing. Oh, that's weird. I feel it in my palms or that's weird. I feel it in my feet. Or in my stomach. And you will notice how it will go away. When I taught um, performance anxiety to pianists, I would ask the class, "Who? Uh, what's your nervous symptom? And so somebody would always say, dry mouth. I get dry mouth. And uh, I'd say, okay, everybody in the class, I want you to try to make your mouth as dry as possible. I, might, I want you to think about eating sand or blowing a blow dryer on your tongue or you know whatever visual you need. Leave your mouth open now and just... On it, you know, try to get your mouth as dry as possible. So I'd let them do this for a few minutes. I said, what's happening? And they'd say, all, the whole class would say, it's so weird. I like have more saliva than I know what to do with. Yeah, because once we allow the feeling to go one way, the body will bring it the other way. If we allow it to self-regulate, it's when we shove the feelings down that we have a problem. Now, um, here's what I want to say about this. Have you heard that, that, that um, statement, feel the fear and do it anyway? This is what we're talking about. When you look at the greats, uh, Rick Friedman is a, is a perfect example. He will talk about, I don't know if this is still true for him, but he, he had been doing trial for 20 years, and he talks about how he still gets nervous or he still has fear. This is true of many of the greats. The, the issue isn't that they've learned how to totally conquer their fear. Maybe Randy Begin has, because she's such a fucking badass. It's not that they've learned how to get rid of their fear. What they've learned how to do is to function and feel fear anyway. And over time, I'm sure it has lessened. But the, your job is not to try to get rid of this or make yourself wrong for feeling it because it's natural. So many things are at risk here. Of course you're going to feel fear. Of course you're going to feel fear. The, the point is to not have it overtake you and completely run your life. It's to learn how to deal with it. Because when you just sit with your fear and you recognize that it, it's not overtaking you and it's not going to drown you, what you'll learn is some awareness around it. And you'll get some, some comfort with it. So the next time you're in trial, because you've had your, your time with your fear and you know what it feels like, when it pops up, you can tell yourself, that's just my fear. That's totally nor normal, totally natural. I'll be fine. It, it gives you some familiarity with it. So it's just a feeling. You do not need to be afraid of feelings and destigmatize it, which brings us to the third thing. The third thing is to make room for resonance. What do I mean by that? So often, um, when we are overtaken by fear, that's the only thing that's happening in our lives because it's so big and so huge because we've shoved it down and then once it comes out, it just is like this lion that takes over and we totally freeze and everything goes to hell in a handbasket, right? So once you start to manage your brain and start to feel your fear and become aware of it, 
There's got to be room now for other emotions and other feelings. Resonance is the one that I hope that you leave room for. So what do I mean by resonance? Well, resonance is like the musical term is, you know, vibration. It's what brings somebody alive. So my question to you is when it comes to trial or being a trial lawyer, what brings you alive? What do you love about this work? What makes you get out of bed in the morning when it comes to this work? You know, you might say nothing. Well, that means that you're not thinking hard enough because most of the trial lawyers that I know love helping their clients, love arguing, love being in front of a jury. It's just that fear can sometimes get in the way. And so that's what I want for you and to leave you with today is this idea of you can feel fear and other things. So the next time you feel fear, which you will, I want you to say something like this. I feel fear and I'm super excited to do voir dire. I'm scared and I'm also really excited about my opening statement. I think it's really good. Listen, both things can be true. Here's the problem. We're afraid of feeling fear, so we block it. But guess what? When we block fear, we block all the other emotions too. So, so much of being able to work with your fear and deal with your fear is allowing it in, feeling it, letting it pass, but also having the other things there, the things that bring you alive, the things that make you excited. We're multifaceted, my friends. We can feel many things at many times. This is what emotional intelligence is, is that we're not afraid to feel fear. We're not afraid to feel nervous. Those are all natural and normal things. And, and that's really the last, last thing I want to leave you with is that you have to have incredible self-compassion in this work. When you start to feel scared, most of you will go, why am I feeling scared? What's, why, why can't I ever get over this? Why can't I be confident like Rick Friedman or Rand McGinn? Or, right? That's only going to activate your saboteur and cause you to shove your fear down. I want you to be compassionate. Of course, I feel scared. That's normal. All trial attorneys feel scared. Listen, one of the best benefits of H2H getting into the crew is that you find out that all the other attorneys are feeling the same way that you are. That what you're feeling is not new. They're also feeling it. So it's, it's about being compassionate and saying, of course I feel this fear. It's normal and natural. I'm going to let it pass. I'm going to sit with it for a minute. Instead of grabbing a drink, grabbing some food, going back to work, going to, to overproduce, Overprepare. Listen, I have never met a single attorney who has said to me, I feel 100% prepared before trial. Ever. It's not something you can achieve. And yet your saboteur has told you, dangles the carrot, you just work hard enough. Mm, you could do this. Nope, you can't. It's just not possible. It's not possible to be 100% prepared. Why? Trial is a moving, living, breathing thing. There will always be just random shit that's happening, weird jurors, weird witnesses, people not showing up, time schedules. You've got to be present and aware to handle that shit. It's not about having this script and being 100% prepared because it's not possible. That's just not possible. So how do you deal with your fear and make your brain work for you? Well, first of all, you manage your brain. You can use the CTFAR model. I also suggest if you haven't, don't have a coach, that you get one. Chrissy's going to drop a link in 
to get a free sample session with Coach K, who is our mindset coach in H2H. He will give a free sample session to anyone. No obligation, but it's a, a way for you to check out what coaching is, and you can bring in the I have fear around trial, and he'll help you work the model or do a variety of other things. So work with a coach. If you don't have the, the funds or the time to have a coach, then join the H2H crew because we do tons of mindset work in there. At the very least, you can be working models. Our, 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 our people in the crew are doing these constantly. Why? Because every time you have one of those thoughts, if you pull it apart in a model, you do an unintentional one first, you know, losing at trial, and then what are you thinking right now? What is that causing you to feel? What actions are you taking or not taking? What result are you getting? You see where that's getting you, which is normally nowhere. And then you do what we call an intentional model, right? Now, if you're going to be doing models at home, I want to point out one thing that's really, really important. And that is the sea line has to always be neutral. Always. So let me give you some examples of not neutral. So, for example, where did I put that? <clears throat> it's here somewhere. Okay. So, you can't put in the C line, I've only had three jury trials. Why? What's the, what's the word that's the problem there? Put it in the chat. What makes this not a neutral statement? Only. That's a judgment. That, that says that's not enough. Three aren't enough. So if you are going to do a model on this particular circumstance, you would just put, I've had three jury trials. That is a fact. That is not anything that anybody can argue with. It's not a judgment. It's just a fact. So that C line has to remain neutral because sometimes that T line will start to migrate up into the C line and we're, we're trying to do a model on a thought, not a circumstance. Circumstances are always neutral. Here's another one. Maybe I want to do a model on this. Difficult client meeting. Okay, what's the problem? What's the word that's the problem? Yep, difficult. Difficult. So, again, that's a judgment and that's a thought. So if you have a client meeting come on, coming up that you are afraid is going to be difficult, you could do an unintentional model, which is client meeting today. That would be your neutral thought or your neutral circumstance. Your thought about it is these are difficult clients, I hate them, whatever, right? But that belongs in the T line. And then that causes you stress. And so the actions you take is you put off the meeting or, you know, the result is you got to reschedule, whatever it might be. But your circumstance has to be neutral. Do another one. This one will get most of you, and you'll be like, how is that not neutral? But it's not. Busy week ahead. What's the problem here? What's the word that's the problem? You might, might recognize most of the words that are the problem are adjectives. Listen, the minute that we say busy week, that activates something. Overwhelm other things, feeling tired. Busy is a thought, period. It is not a fact. Let me say that again. Busy is a thought. It is not a fact. 
So even putting in the C line, I have so many things to do this week. And you want to do a model on that? That's not neutral. I have things to do this week. Everything else about that is a thought. This is what I want you to get, is that your thoughts determine everything. Everything. So use the model to manage your brain, or get coaching, or join the crew, or all three. Get into your body by allowing yourself to feel the fear when it comes up and let it pass through because we cannot sustain big emotions. And make room for resonance and other emotions. What are you excited about as well? You forget that. This is an exciting thing. You get to fight for what's right. You guys stand on the side of the right. So leave room for that so you can feel both. I feel fear and excitement and optimism and whatever. They can both be true. And as you allow yourself, you manage your brain, you get more into the body, so you, you take the stigmatism out of, stigmatism, that's an I thing, stigma <laughs> out of um, fear. You start getting used to it. Oh, that's my fear popping up again. No big deal, right? And you start making room for what resonates with you, what fulfills you, your fear will lessen. I absolutely guarantee you. All right, questions. I'm going to switch back over to this camera. I hope that was helpful. What questions might you have? We're not in the Zoom platform, unfortunately. Um, so it's, it's difficult to, to take um, questions. Ah, okay. Hi, everybody who's here. I'm seeing everybody who's here now. So what questions might you have? Post them in the chat. Good. You guys are doing the homework over here. Excellent. Or if you don't have a question, what was your big learning from today's training? I would love to hear that as well. So what, what are you going to be taking away with you? As you do that and post your, your questions or your um, comments about what you're going to be taking away with you, let me direct you to trialguides.com. If you do not have the book, From Hostage to Hero, you can get your copy there, and if you do have a copy, I would love a review. I would love a review before I go on medical leave on Friday um, to get to 100 reviews. It would be the first ever trial guides book that would get 100 reviews, so I'd love that if you would mind going over there, either purchase the book or review the book, and um, I would love for you to be listening to the podcast. I have uploaded or will be uploading Podcasts throughout the summer. I've got that all set up before I go, so there will be no break in the podcast, hopefully. I've got three more to do before I leave on Friday. Um, so that's one way we can stay connected while I'm on my medical leave. Um, I can use CTFAR to set goals and minimize fears. You can. You can, you can set a goal and then see what comes up for you, right? So oftentimes, it's a great question, Tanya. Um, the saboteur, when we start making goals, by the way, if you live in a cave and have no interaction with anybody else, your saboteur is not going to bother you very much. It's when you start making goals and plans and schemes and things that you want in your life and start demanding more of yourself and others and fulfillment and, and start moving to the beach and then moving back and doing all the shit that I've been doing, that's when your saboteur is going to be all over you. So I want that to be a good sign. So often I'll have coaching clients come into sessions and they'll say, sorry, my saboteur has been all over me this week about that decision we talked about last week. Does that mean that it's a bad thing? I said, no, 
That's a good thing. That means you're on the right track. If you've woken up your saboteur, that means some shit is about to go down. So that's how I'd say, Tanya, you would use it is you would make a goal and then see what your saboteur has to say because it's always going to say something. Like, you can't do that. You know, you're too old for that or you don't have enough experience or, you know, whatever comes up for you with your goal, right? Maybe your circumstances, I made a goal. Your thought, saboteur thought. You're feeling, oh, that feels like shit. You're, you know, well, maybe I won't do it. Goal not met. That could be your unintentional. And then you do your intentional. This is where you're training your brain. So I made a goal would be your circumstance. So then your thought would be, this is exciting. I can't wait to begin. And the feeling, excitement, you know, whatever it might be. So yes, you can use the CTFAR model when you're, when something comes up for you around goals, for sure. It's a great way, a great thing to use that. Uh, Anissa is going to say that fear is normal and can be channeled. Yes, absolutely normal. I think we, we make ourselves wrong for having these thoughts. Listen, the work y'all do, not everybody could do this work. We know that because people are dropping out of this, this field all the time. They get in it, they lose one trial and they're like, well, I'm out. This is absolutely something you can manage and handle. Yes, but it's also normal as fuck. That's what I want you to get is that there's nothing wrong with you for feeling fearful. I have cancer. I have stage three cancer. I also have thyroid cancer. So I've like won the cancer lottery, okay? I'm one click above terminal cancer. That is scary as hell. Do I let myself feel fear? Hell yeah, because it's normal. So there's times I'm in here and I'm doing my thing and I'm loving my life. And there's other times where I'm in bed and I'm crying about whether I'm going to see my kid grow up, right? This is totally normal. But am I going to give in to those times in bed? No, I just feel it. I cry and then I feel better and I go about my day and I manage my brain. It's not about, well, I shouldn't feel those things. I shouldn't. And, and there are people who say that. Don't ever even let those thoughts in your brain. It's not good. Look, there's feeling it and feeding it. Feeding it is when you let the thoughts come in and start swirling down. That's where we don't want to go. Feeling it is neutral. It's just, oh, I'm feeling fear right now. So I'm going to feel it. And I'm going to take the stigma away from, from fear so that it just becomes another emotion I'm used to having from time to time. And by the way, you'll have it less and less, as I've had less and less. As I've gone down this journey, my fear has, has abated quite a bit. I'm feeling very hopeful for my surgery coming up on Friday. Um, Rusty is saying his big learning is keep adjectives out of the sea line. Absolutely. Yeah. They sneak in there. So we start looking at those sea lines and we're like, that's actually a T line. You just put a thought up there. No thoughts allowed. Facts only. And facts, normally we don't want those adjectives with facts. Dave is saying, nailed it when you said the real fear is not the loss, but the fear of not being able to handle the feelings that may come with the loss. Yes. That is so true. We're not afraid of the thing that's happening. We're afraid of feeling whatever we're going to feel if the thing happens. And many times the thing that we're afraid of never does happen. So we're causing ourselves all of this grief. You know, I saw a stage four cancer patient, this is years ago before I even had cancer, who said, worrying is like praying for something you don't want. Amen to that. And I'm not even a believer. but <laughs> Amen to that. It's like we don't want to, again, spiral but what I hope I've, I've shared with you today is that it's okay to feel it and let it pass. 
right? That's very different than, than, than getting it and, and just having all your, your little shit fest with it. Okay. Patrick is saying, oh, I'm sorry. Rusty's saying do the yes. And to make room for residents to feel and drive thoughts. Yes. I love that too, because you may not ever, but at least when you first begin, get rid of the fear. So just don't let it overtake everything. It's, it's, it's a lot like nervousness. So when I work with clients on being nervous or when I was working with pianists on being nervous, I talked about how you can be nervous and you can be other things too, right? You can be excited to share the music with your audience. You can be excited, right? So be both. You don't have to choose. We, we can feel lots of things at the same time. I think a great example is that when you get married, you're feeling tons of things. Oh, my God. Is this the right thing? Is this such a big thing? Oh, but look, she looks so beautiful. Or he looks so handsome. Or, oh, all our friends are here. Oh, my God. Is the catering okay? Right? So you're, you can think a lot of things at one time. Patrick is saying, from Hostage to Hero Review posted, yay. Thank you, Patrick. I'm so excited. Um, Helen, good luck with your surgery. Thank you, um, Helen. I, if, I will try to be better about um, posting to CaringBridge, those of you who want to, um, to follow that journey, or posting on my personal Facebook page. Please feel free to, to um, friend me if you were not already friends. Happy to accept you over my personal page, too. Um, good vibes to you. Sorry, you're a blessing to us all. Thank you, Anissa. Love having you in the crew, one of our new crewbies. Uh, Jordan Kim has a question. How did you become so awesome? <laughs> Jordan, even the cancer likes you. Um, I hope to see you back healthy soon. Me too, Jordan. Um, I do believe the cancer likes me because um, if you have been following me at all, uh, I had a tumor that the first time my doctor kind of measured it was four centimeters. By the time I had gotten to my first chemo, it had so aggressive, it had grown 10 by 11, which is like big. Uh, one chemo. And it was undetectable. So here's what we're, we're hoping for next, my friends, is once I have surgery, they take all the tissue out, they put it under a microscope, and what we're hoping for is what's called a pathological complete response. So that means the chemo killed all the cancer. If I get that, recurrence rate of this very aggressive breast cancer is less than 10%. So I want all y'all to be thinking about me on Friday in the week after as they look at all that tissue and PCR, PCR, PCR. And of course I will let you know either way, look, if I don't get the PCR, we're still going to manage this and we're still going to handle it and we'll be, we'll be good. And if we're not, you know, it's like that thing, you know, you, it'll be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. So we're still going to just push forward and I'm going to feel all the things I'm feeling all the way up to that because they're normal. That's what I hope you get. Thank you, Lino, sending prayers. I really appreciate it. You guys have been awesome. I'm telling you, I would not have been able to get through this without y'all. I love my H2H crew. I love you here at um, from Hostage Hero. Even if you're not a part of the crew, I love you. I adore you. I, I just, you guys just make my life. Now make it even better by reviewing the book. Because <laughs> we're almost to 100. I just love winning. I want to be the first one to get to 100. Okay, my darling, darling friends, this is the last time I'll see you for a few months, but I'll be back um, after my surgery and radiation and hopefully keeping you updated over there on my personal page. I'll post some things here too if it makes sense. I don't want cancer to become the big thing over here. Um, but get out there and be with your fear and know that it does not have you. You've got it. It doesn't have you and it's not something you need to be afraid of. It's normal. It's natural. Have compassion for yourselves. And if you want to join the crew in June, 
get over to fromhostagehero.com, get on that list. So you can, those three days you can slip in if you're not already in there. We're having tons of fun in there. Plus, if you get in there now, once we raise the price in October, you'll have locked in the price that we have now. Okay, my darling friends, love you all. Talk soon. Thanks for joining me today. If you benefited from what we talked about or just want to let me know you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and leave me a review on whichever platform you use to listen to From Hostage to Hero. Add a comment and I just might give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. In the meantime, head over to fromhostagetohero.com to order your copy of my book, From Hostage to Hero, Captivate the Jury by Setting Them Free. And to get on my mailing list, I send out trial tips and encouragement right to your inbox every single week. And while you're there, make sure you join the waitlist to become an H2H crew member when we reopen. We only open a few times each year and you do not want to miss out. I look forward to our time together in next week's episode. Talk then.